Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. You can be seated this morning. Praise God. Hallelujah. Real quick, we want to release all the teenagers right now. If you're high school, junior high, uh, Alex is in the back waving his hand. You can follow him out and you'll go in the youth room and uh, uh, have a time in there. Also, we want to welcome everybody that's here in-house. We're glad for you. We also want to welcome everybody that's uh, watching online. Uh, We are glad that you are here. And also, we just want to give you a reminder. I know that Andy probably already mentioned this, but uh, Pastor Alex will be preaching this Wednesday. Uh, You don't want to miss this, part two of his series, a hearing heart. So mark that down. Come on out for that or, or, or uh, get online and watch as we're streaming uh, that service. Amen. If you have your Bibles, turn with me over to Mark, the book of Mark, chapter number one. This morning we are going to continue on with our series um, that is the theme of our year, uh, Seeking First the Kingdom. Um, and I just want to say to you this morning, kind of as a way of a little bit of a disclaimer in the sense of why we're doing this, is um, I really feel like that, that, that God is um, taking us somewhere, this church particularly, he's taking us to a place, taking you to a certain place. And it's, in, it's imperative, it's extremely important that we have a clear understanding uh, of the kingdom of God. Um, and you'll, you'll see why as we get into this message in next weeks and the weeks to follow is, is that this is, this is not trivial information. Can you say amen? This is really not filler uh, to just kind of get us through another Sunday. Uh, th- this is something that has some extreme power. And I don't say that to just... Um, I'm not saying that to, you know, preacher talk. You know, every preacher gets up and, you know, their latest message is the most important message and everything they're saying is powerful because it's going to change your life and all this. Um, and it should be. But I, I also understand preachers because I am one and, and I can understand how we can uh, um, inflate things, uh, especially, you know, stuff that oftentimes isn't all that critical. But in this case, let me say... When we talk about the kingdom of God, we are talking about something that is literally fundamental uh, to our existence. It's fundamental to who we are and who God is. And this is a cornerstone, if you will. This is a foundational uh, truth that we cannot, we cannot afford to uh, misunderstand it or to just get half the story or just to kind of uh, neglect it for the moment or let it just kind of breeze on by. We need this today. And we said to you last week, we talked about this, we said that in this series we're going to learn what the kingdom of God is really all about and we're going to learn what it means to be a kingdom person and we are going to learn why the kingdom is so important and why it must be our first priority. And one of the things we said was that the world right now, this world needs um, an answer, amen, and you're not going to find the answer to this world, to our lives, to what's going on by 
the means of this world. It's going to have to be outside. And that's why it's so important that we seek first the kingdom of God. Jesus said in Matthew 6.33, he says, But seek first the kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. And what he's telling us here is that when God and his kingdom become our number one priority, everything changes. That's what we have to understand. Church, this, one of the things that I think that, and, and remember, when I'm speaking to you, I'm also speaking to me, okay? When I say Christians, I'm referring, I'm, I'm a Christian. I, I'm, I'm first a Christian, then a pastor, okay? So I don't look at my pastoral role or office as being um, the pinnacle of who I am. My Christianity is what takes me to that pinnacle. And, it, you know, my pastoral role is the, is, the, is the place that I fit and function in his kingdom, in his, in his plan for me. And so when I talk about Christians and I talk about the struggles, I am referring to what I have gone through as well. And I know that it's very easy in Christianity to um, um, uh, speak about or to uh, evaluate information as being important, but having very little buy-in to that information. Meaning that we can give mental assent to truth, but give no practical application in our lives of that truth. The Bible talks about seeking first the kingdom, and that verse comes in the context of a greater message known as the Sermon on the Mount. It's chapter, it's Matthew 5, 6, and 7, if, if you're interested. And through that uh, 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 sermon that Jesus preached, he preached on the principles of the kingdom of God. More specifically, what he preached on is he preached on the principles by which we live and govern our lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so he, and there's some tough stuff in there, church. I mean, you know, we, we once again, I, I'm, I'm being very kind when I say that, that I too have struggled. You know, it's, it's just like we love quoting scripture, love your enemy until we have to love our enemy. Okay, we, we love the idea of that. We, we love the idea of, of all of these things that he puts out until it comes time. to. It's like, actually, are you loving your enemy? Are you, it's one thing to seek God here at church because we're all doing it and there's kind of a flow in this, isn't there? That's the great thing about church. That's why we do it is there is a, there's a camaraderie, there's a linking of our arms and we, we come together and we start, you know, it's, it's kind of like the lazy river at, you know, the water park. You just kind of get in the flow and you go. You know, it's, it's, there's no real effort. Now, don't, once again, don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying I love the lazy river. I, I love it. I like going with the flow. And I know you do too. But somewhere in life, especially right now, when we are seeing the kind of things that we're seeing, I was talking to a guy earlier and he said, you know, we really are marking history. The, the events of what we're living through is should the Lord tarry in 100 years, they're going to look back and it's, that's, this, is, this time, this season is going to fill history books. They're going to be, you know, your great-grandchildren, great-great-grandchildren in some cases are going to be learning about what you're living through. 
Yeah, I remember old Pappy. He set me on his knee and told me about the pandemic of 2020. They told me about the election, how it went awry, all that stuff. We're living through this, and so there's got to be an answer. And as we live through this, how do we, how do you conduct your life as a child of God and probably even more importantly, as a representative of Jesus, how do you live your life through this? The problem that I see with most Christians is we're going haywire. <laughs> that didn't get the applause the other stuff did, did it? Where, where, you know what? I'm, I, once again, I am one. So I'm talking to me, just like I'm talking to you. We get freaked out about stuff we ought not to be freaked out about. <clears throat> we win in the back of the book, right? Y'all read the last page and it says, you win. Why are you freaked? Well, I don't, I don't know what we're going to live through. I do. I'm living through the kingdom. What may come beyond that, don't really care because I'm living through the kingdom. Okay, I'll, I'll move on here. Understand, please understand the reference to these things in this verse is not limited to just the bare necessities, okay? Now, we know that in context, Jesus is dealing with worry and how, you know, we're going to eat and drink and, the, you know, wear our clothes and where we're going to live and all that. But the Bible tells us that God is acutely aware of our need and willing. He says, but my God shall supply all your need according to your, his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. Philippians 4.19. We know that. So we know that all things, all things that pertain to life and godliness... He tells us, I am willing to give this to you. I'm willing to meet this need. So we know that when Jesus is referring to these things, he's not simply referring to those things he spoke about. See, we have got to be able to look at Scripture and take Scripture from a first century point of view and make it be able to fit in a 20th, first century situation. Amen. we got to have the wisdom, and sometimes that takes God to do that. But that's what we need to do. Everything we need, everything that the kingdom offers, the abundance of heaven itself is wrapped up in the kingdom of God. Are you hearing me? And he says, every day your priority should be to seek first the kingdom. Now, since I have been on this, I have, what I've noticed, because I've been paying attention, is how often I'm not seeking the kingdom. <laughs> I, I like this kind of preaching. I like it when it gets, see, you know, most preachers like it, with people, they like it, preachers, they like it when it gets really noisy. I like it when it gets quiet, because now I got your attention. It's like, I know what I'm talking about here. You are understanding. Every day, our priority should be seek first his kingdom. It's not something we should trivialize or ignore, but, but more so in the times that we're living. Because listen, let me make a statement to you. Much of the quality of our Christian life hangs in the balance of whether we make the kingdom a priority or not. Are you hearing me? So let's look at Mark chapter 1. 
starting verse 14 and looking at verse 14 and 15. It says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee, preaching the gospel of the kingdom of God, saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. Now, the interesting thing about this, and I didn't mention this in the 830 service, but I'll take the time to share this with you. What you have to understand is in order for us to kind of catch Jesus' position in this, we have to understand that now after John was put in prison, what difference can that even make? Who cares? Well, God does, number one. And the reason that's important for us to understand is because John was Jesus' cousin. And John was an extremely important person. Not just because he was the one, the voice in the wilderness crying out, make straight the path of Jesus, all that stuff. Not because he was the forerunner or the one to introduce Jesus, but because he was family. They were close. They grew up. They were only six months apart in age. They grew up together. They knew each other. There was a connection. Uh, when when, when uh, uh, Elizabeth was pregnant with John, Mary comes on the scenes right shortly after she conceived Jesus. And the, the Bible says that being filled with the Holy Ghost, John leaps in Elizabeth's womb. I mean, there was a connection before there was a birth. Okay, and so this guy, John the Baptist, is extremely important. And this guy, this, his friend, his partner, the forerunner of his ministry, all of that, this wonderful, great, Jesus calls him the greatest prophet in all of the Old Testament, is now in jail, ready to get his head cut off. Jesus is not having a really good day at this moment. Yet what he does, listen to what Jesus does is he's preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So there's something in that. Is that because Jesus is cold and heartless? Because Jesus doesn't care? Is it because somehow in the midst of his divinity, he was able to see down the road and knows everything's going to be okay? No, that's not what's going on. Jesus is subject to humanity. Jesus is limited by his humanity at that very moment. So now he is fe feeling the, the, the emotions and the pains that are upon each and every human. And when somebody's suffering in his family, he ain't having a good day, but what he does is he occupies his time by doing the exact thing God called him to do, was to preach the kingdom of God. Do you see that? There's a message in that for us. What do I do when I'm struggling? Go preach the kingdom of God. And sometimes the audience that you are preaching to is you. You're looking in the mirror and you preach your sermon on the kingdom and say, remember what you are a part of. Can you say amen? That's good stuff right there, man. That's like, you, you guys got to understand, that wasn't in the 830 service. That's hot off the press right there, man. That's Holy Spirit. That ain't John Poole. That ain't out of a book. That's Holy Spirit. If you asked this morning, if you were to go around and, and, and you were to survey most Christians and ask them, what is the kingdom of God? Most of us would have a very familiar answer, a very similar answer. And most of us would say, well, you know, the kingdom of heaven, that's where God lives. 
know, that's, that's the kingdom of heaven. That's where Christians go when they die. It's heaven, right? That's, that's what most people would say. And you know what? To some degree, they would be right. But the kingdom of God is much much more than that. And it's imperative that we change the way we view what the kingdom of God is. You say, why is that so important? Because your perspective is everything, church. Your perspective determines how you relate to life. Your perspective determines what you believe. Your perspective de- determines how you're going to live and what you're going to do. And your perspective about this thing called the kingdom of God will determine the dynamic of your Christian life. And the dynamic of that, the power of the Christian life, our ability to affect and to be affected can only be found and realized when we understand the kingdom of God. One one man put it this way. He says, in the kingdom of God, I have found something far superior to personal fulfillment. He says, I have found the heart of God. I have found my reason for being here. That's amazing to me because I would say probably the, the question that I get asked the most, not so much in this form or with these words, but the question that I get asked the most is, what is my purpose? Why am I here? Now, there's all kinds of ways to ask that question, but when you boil it all down, what people are searching for is, why am I on the planet? What's, you know, is, am I on the planet? Am I simply here just to fill a seat? And take up room? Am I simply here to be a member on a roll, a list? Am I here just uh, 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 absorbing air and food? And what is my purpose in life? What, what is it about my life that makes it unique? What, what makes me stand out? Why did God take the time to create me? That's something we all long to know. And I declare to you and I submit to you today that the only way you truly can find that answer out is if you will understand the kingdom. Because when you understand the kingdom, you understand the king. And when you understand the king, now don't please, don't come up to me afterwards and go, he's unknowable, because I know it. I know you will never get to the end of him. I know that you can never know all there is to know about him. And that, my friends, is by design. That's why we continually search for him. And we search to know more about him. But when we discover who he is, we discover who we are. Can you say amen to that? Now listen to me. The kingdom of God this morning is much... The kingdom of God... Let me put it this way. The kingdom of God is not a place. Okay? The kingdom of God is not a philosophy. It is not an ethical or moral idea. It is not a spiritual existence. It is not restricted by time or space. The kingdom of God is the realm of God's authority and power to influence, to impact, to change, to transform all that it comes in contact with. Are you hearing what I'm saying? The kingdom of God, the kingdom is its sheer immensity removes all limits on what God can and will do through us. 
Are you hearing me? That means that the kingdom of God has absolutely no boundaries. That means the kingdom of God is big and broad, broad beyond our wildest imaginations. Its fullness can never be obtained. Its resources will never be depleted. Its season is never over. Listen, I want to make a statement. When you are living in the awareness and in the context and in the, the understanding of the kingdom of God, you will never get the feeling you've seen all of this before. Now look at I, I, let me share something with you. Most of you know, if you've been around any length of time, you'll know that I was born in Michigan. Amen. I, I, I was, that's where I was born. I lived there until 1976, and my family moved to Arizona. We moved to Lake Havasu. Shortly after that, in, in the hottest time of the year, we moved to Phoenix. Shortly after a year there, we moved to Holbrook. I won't even explain to you what Holbrook is. <clears throat> Then, for a very short period of time, in the early 80s, I moved back to Michigan for about two years. And then in 1984, I came to Kingman and have been here ever since. And the reality is, I've lived more in Arizona than I've lived anywhere else. But Michigan, you know, I still know places. I've taken my family to Michigan, and I've said, look, you know, I know how to get to places. I know where things are. I remember it. But you know what? Arizona is my home. And I've lived so long in Arizona, there's not much that surprises me about Arizona. I can pretty much predict the weather. It's not hard. You don't need a weather degree to predict the weather in Arizona. It's going to be sunny until it burns a hole in your head and the heat evaporates every trace of fluid in your body. That's Arizona. It's generally brown, except for occasions when we do have the very rare occasional rain. It'll get a little bit green for a little while, only to dash your hopes to the ground and turn it all brown again. If you go from here to the border, not much changes. Not a lot of this, that's not a lot that surprises me in the kingdom of Arizona. In fact, you can even expand it to southern Utah, um, uh, most of Nevada, southern California, much of New Mexico, and it's all about the same. If you really want to get out and see something different, you've got to get beyond Texas. I don't even feel like I'm out of town until I'm past Dallas. Or I don't even feel like I'm out of town until I'm standing on the beach in California. Come on. Well, I'm going to tell you, the kingdom of God is not so. If you are living in the kingdom with the knowledge and the understanding of the kingdom, every day you wake up, there'll be something new about the kingdom. God will show up in a new way. He'll show up in a way. He'll speak to you in a way. See, the, you know what the problem with Christians are? Is we are just too one-dimensional. We, we get so comfortable, this is how God talks, and that's it. Do you know God used a donkey to talk to a guy? Can you imagine the sight in heaven? Now, I know this is not a really good moment. He's kind of mad at Balaam, and Balaam's kind of whacking his donkey. He's hitting him all the time, and, and God says, watch. I'm just, I'm going to flip out the whole thing here. I am, what, Gabriel, Michael, come here, check this out. Watch what happens to Balaam when his donkey starts talking to him. Don't you love that? Don't you, don't you, should, is it wrong that we would pray, God, just blow my mind. Lord, you know what, just do something different. Make, you know what, make my, if you've got a flower garden, 
Uh, see, this is, this is where I get crazy, Shay. She says, do it. I was telling Shay the other day, I said, sometimes in the second service I get feeling relaxed and I start being goofy. But here's the goofy thing. What if, what if your flowers started talking to you? You say, oh, that's just stupid. Well, they talk in heaven. So how do you know? Well, because I believe it. I figure God's got, I got talking flowers in heaven. That's just the way it is. If you can have a talking donkey, you can have a talking flower. You can have colors that have smell and taste. What, the, what, what, what would it be to taste red? I don't know. Can't wait to get there. But you know what? You don't have to wait to get there to have that experience. God loves. Our, so, please don't send emails to me that say, oh, the pastor wants us to taste red. I, I, that's not what I'm saying. My point is, is that the kingdom of God is not limited to our preconceived idea. The kingdom of God is the realm of God's authority, his power, his influence. In times like we're living right now, in the, the problem is the last thing on our mind is the kingdom of God, isn't it? You know, we're living in these times, and this is the problem with Christianity, is we're so wrapped up in stuff that God said, don't pay attention to that. Look, at I'm all for the study of eschatology. I believe it's important, and I think we should need to do it. But when that becomes what we seek above his kingdom, we have missed the point. In fact, when the disciples came to him just before he ascends to heaven, they said, is this going to be the time when you're going to reestablish the kingdom? Is this when you, are you coming down here and going to overthrow the Romans? And Jesus said, look it, go wait till you get some power and then go do what I tell you. All of that is reserved for my Father in heaven. He knows. Like a good father, he, re, he re, redirects his children to what's truly important. The kingdom. But what, but what if things happen? If you're paying attention to the kingdom, you will know what's going on. Are you hearing what I'm saying? So in times like these, we, we, need to, we, we need to have our mind on the kingdom, but oftentimes it's the last thing. Not because we're evil people, not because uh, we're, uh, you know, these, these lazy people. It's because for some of us, we're just so tired some of us are overwhelmed, we're hurting, and, and we feel empty. And, 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 and you know what, the, here's the thing, how many have heard a sermon, and I'm sure you've had, you know, where, where the pastor gets up and says, look, if you're really struggling, you need to worship. If you're really going through some torment, if the, if the devil's lying to you, or, or you're really bummed out, or things aren't working the way you want, you need to worship God. What's the, first, what's the last thing that you want to do when you're bummed out? Jesus, I love you. I'm sicker than a dog, but thank you for being my healer. God, I, I have no money. In fact, I owe thousands. Thank you for providing for me. That's the last thing we want to do. Amen. Yes, yes, and thank you for your applause. We clap here, but in reality, what do we do? See, we got to get beyond this beyond this spectator idea of, of, of holding um, this mental ascent to stuff. That's why I'm saying the king, we got to get doing it. 
It needs to affect our life. It needs, so when you're really bummed out, what you need to do is you need to put a worship song on and go worship your God. You need to thank Jesus for his ability to heal and deliver and provide. When you're facing life or death circumstances, you need to get down on your hands and knees and go, oh my God, it is your kingdom that I live in and I am not subject to the rules and the laws of the, of the kingdom of this earth, but I am subject to the rules and the laws of the kingdom of heaven and I shall live by that and I shall worship you for you are worthy whether you do it or not. You are still worthy and I am going to where you are and I am not going to be moved by what I see but I am going to be moved by what I know I am going to be moved by that which is unseen for that which is unseen is eternal this which I see is temporary it's changing and I am not going to live on the roller coaster called living in this world but I shall live and stand upon the rock called the kingdom of God can you say amen that's how we live our life Kathy and I we have been practicing this more and more. I'm not saying we've gotten here. We haven't. We're not, we haven't perfected it, but we have been determined. We have been, so, so what we do, here's what we do. Kathy and I come down to the church every day. So I've told you before we take communion every day, right? So we upped it. We come and we come to the church and we have this big old long thing that we've written out and we worship God. We call on his name, and then we thank him for what he's done. Then we take authority. We take authority over the curses that have been spoken, we take, and then we forgive those that spoke it. Then we take authority over the seeds of destruction. Then we take authority over the one that hinders and the plan and the strategy sent against us, and we release then the angels of heaven to go and to bring that which God has intended from the beginning, and we empower them through our words because it's God's word, because that's what angels are called to do, is they are to do the bidding of the word of God, and we are the agents of the king and the kingdom, and therefore we speak it, and we give them power to go and to do that which God has called us to do, and then we make our declaration we declare over you, we declare over our family, we declare over this church, and one of the declarations that we declare is this, we declare in the name of Jesus that the kingdom of God would come, kingdom come on earth, the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. Because when Jesus taught his disciples how to pray, he says, say this, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And that's what we do first, is lift his name. And then we say, your kingdom come, your will be done. And we speak our children's names out. We say, Father, your kingdom come and your will be done. And Jason and Courtney and Titus and Owen and the baby. And Father, we say in the name of Jesus, your kingdom come and your will be done. For Andy and Shay and Oliver, we say your kingdom come. Your will be done, and Amy and Alex, uh, Father, your kingdom come, and your will be done at New Life Church. And every person that darkens that door, I don't care, Father, if they come because they're spraying bugs. I don't care if they come looking for assistance. I don't come if care if they come because they're cold. When they darken the door, the kingdom shall impact their life and change them and move upon them. And we declare it because we're seeking. First, the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And we believe it will change everything. There's been challenges. The devil don't like it and I don't really care. 
But he challenges. He goes, oh, you're going to continue to do this? Yes, I am. Well, I'm going to make you mad. Go ahead. Ain't the first time. I'm going to do this. I'm going to make you not feel well. Go ahead. It ain't the first time. I've been sick before. I got a healer, though. Do what you got to do, devil. I am not submitting. I am not control. See, you, devil, thought this was about you. You thought you were in charge. And you thought we were going to do it on your time. But no, no, no. The kingdom of God, it's his way in his time. And I'm good with that. It's just like I said to you in the beginning of the service, that idea of waiting. It's the idea of wrapping ourselves to him, entwining ourselves so that when he lifts off the ground, we lift off with him. Amen. Are you hearing me? I'm so far off the notes, I'll stay off. <clears throat> Church, we need this. This is what gets you through these seasons. Are you hearing me? This, what, this is what gets us through these moments in time where we don't know what to do. But church, we have to be deliberate. We have to be intentional. And we have to do it in spite of what's going on around us. And we cannot afford to let anything else have priority. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We got to step up. We got to say, you know what, Father, I'm going to live in the kingdom. I am going to let the kingdom of God. Why? Because the kingdom of God is God's heartbeat. The kingdom of God is his passion for our redemption and deliverance and freedom. The kingdom of God is what rescues us from the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of God is us ruling and reigning with him as children of God, the body of Christ. It's the kingdom of God. Think about this for a moment. This is, this is how intense this is, and I want to make this point as we're moving on. Luke chapter 19, verses 9 and 10 says this, And Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because he also is a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. Well, we know that one of the purposes that Jesus had was to win souls, to seek and to save, to preach the gospel. But it was all birthed out of, it, out of his understanding of the kingdom. You say, okay, all right, so what is that? So what was lost? For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which is lost. To seek and to save that. It's interesting. doesn't say, notice it does not say, for the Son of Man has come to see, seek and save those or them, or men and women, or person, it indicates that which was lost. So it's interesting. So I have to ask myself, what was lost? So when we go all the way back to the beginning, we understand that it was the kingdom of God that was lost. See, when Adam and Eve sinned, they lost the influence of the kingdom of God working in and through their lives. Adam and Eve traded the kingdom of God for the realm of relationship. They traded it, I'm sorry, they traded the realm of relationship, influence, and authority, and power, and intimacy with the Father for knowledge. They were duped into believing that there was more to be had from God, that somehow God was holding out 
And so they bought into the lie of the devil that everything that they really wanted could really be had over here. And so they gave up on the kingdom and they gave it away. You say, how do you know that? How do you know that? I want you to think with me. Jesus is being tempted. We know the story. Jesus' first temptation is to turn the stone into bread. The devil came to him when he was hungry and he says, if you really are who you say you are, then turn that stone into bread. And Jesus responds, man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Now, you would think that that statement alone would arrest us. Man does not live by human endeavor, bread, that which we can make, but by every word, that's what God made, alone. Are you, are you here? So it's by God. So that would, should arrest us to say, wait a second, there's a priority being described here that I need to catch. But then in the second temptation, he, the devil says, comes and he takes him. The devil takes Jesus to a high mountain and he shows him all the kingdoms of the world, all the nations. And then he says something unique. He says this, he says, all of this authority, I love that because you have to understand this battle we're in is really the battle of authority. So all of this authority I'll give to you if you bow down and worship me. Because this authority was given to me and I can give it to whomever I wish. How did the devil get all that authority? Well, you know, when he, when he, uh, when he uh, got kicked out of heaven and he came to earth and that was, the earth is his. No, no, no. The earth and all that's in it is God's. Last time I read my Bible. How did he get the authority? Adam and Eve, when they fell, when they sinned, they gave up the authority. Now think about a kingdom. A kingdom has a king. And what makes a king a king? Rule and reign authority. Are you catching? Are you, am I connecting the dots too fast? So it's authority. So the, the, so the kingdom of God was so given on earth, was so given to Adam and Eve that they had the right to give it away. They gave it away by trusting the devil over God. And then the devil comes and says, hey, Jesus, I know what you're about. I know that what you've came to do is get the kingdom because once you get the kingdom, then everything else will follow. Healing, salvation, deliverance, everything springs out of the kingdom. So if you could get the kingdom, then you're a golden. I'll tell you what, let's go on a shortcut. You don't have to go to the cross. You don't have to be whipped and beaten. You don't have to go through all that trouble. Man, your dad up in heaven, he's, he's mean. <clears throat> I, got a, I got a proposal for you. How about... You just worship me, and I'll give you it. Let's just cut the middleman out. Let's just, let's get this done the easy way. And Jesus says, the Bible says, not to worship anybody but God in heaven. And I'm not going to do it the easy way. I'm going to win it back fair and square. And you're going to lose. So what is he saying to us today? He's telling us this thing, this this is what has been, this is what's been hanging in the balance. This is what this whole thing is about. And I submit to you that if you were to trace out that all that's going on in Washington and COVID and the various states that are going haywire and various countries, I, I submit to you it's all about the kingdom. Who, who is going to be in charge of who? So when we understand the kingdom, 
That's why this is so important. Yeah. Now let me let me bring the, let me bring the, begin to bring this down. Yeah, get them notes again. <laughs> why? Let me, let me kind of give you a little bit of a preview of next week, and Jason can come if he wants. <clears throat> why is this so important? Let's 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 rephrase the question. Why is being an American so important? Why, why, are, why is everybody so flipped out right now about all of this that's going on in Washington? Well, because we have a constitution. You're right, we do. We have the Word of God. <laughs> let, me tell you, let me tell you something. There is nothing like America. Nothing. If you have never been outside of America, you may not know how to relate to this, but you can trust what I'm saying. The moment you leave America, you know you ain't in Kansas no more. I don't care if you go to a first world country. The first time I was out of America, the first place I landed was in Amsterdam, Holland. And it felt different. When I landed there, they do stuff in Holland that is unspeakable. When I landed there, I was like, holy cow, even the food tasted different to me. It was like, I am not in Kansas no more. And then we left there, Alex and I left, and we went to uh, Nairobi, Kenya. And when I landed in Nairobi, Kenya, I was in culture shock. I mean, you know, the, I, one time we ate something called Cremus Wiki. I don't know. So don't ask. Ugali. I, I don't know. It was something. It's pasty and green. That's all I know. Didn't taste real bad. One sure was not a, a In-N-Out burger. But I knew I was out of the country, and I, I knew, and you could feel the heaviness. And when Alex and I were in Nukuru, Kenya, and we were laying there in bed, and we heard the call for prayer from the Muslim cleric over the loudspeaker, you knew you weren't in America no more. And then when, we, when it was time to leave and we flew back to Holland, man, was the food in Holland good. Wow! And then when we landed in Las Vegas, it was like, oh, thank God. And literally, a, like a weight came off my shoulders. We were under some oppression for a while because we weren't home. And I'm telling you, this country is the greatest country in the world. Why? Because this country, listen, it's founded on biblical principles. It has a constitution. We actually believe in freedom. We believe in, in godliness. We believe in the rule of law and the principle of all of that. In fact, in fact, do you understand in the Capitol building that uh, Moses is inscripted because he's the lawgiver? All, all, I believe it's actually in the, in the Supreme Court. And somewhere along the line, what, what America has become is the greatest country in the world. Why? Because it was founded upon kingdom principle. So why? that's why it's important. But let me tell you something. See, when you go outside of the country, you can go, you could do this, you could go, I'm an American. And that's not really all that impressive anymore. In fact, in some places, it can get you jailed. I remember being in Ghana with, with Pastor Alex, and, and we were in the, you know, they have what's called an airport tax. And you pay it, or you ain't leaving. 
And I remember going in the line for the immigration. I had my passport. And, and Alex, you know, he, Alex says to me, he goes, let's go in different lines. So he says, because if one of us gets stopped, then the other one at least can get home. <laughs> you got like, to like Alex's thinking because it's 50-50. I know he was banking on me to get through. Anyway, Alex got through, no problem. And he's, he's standing over by the hallway where you go to the gate. And there I am with my passport, and I slid it up. And this, this young man that's the immigration person, he speaks relatively good English. And he, he says, where were you born? I said, U.S. He goes, what state? I said, Michigan. He goes, what town? I said, I doubt that you would even understand or recognize it. Because now I'm getting aggravated. And it's really stupid to get aggravated with the guy that could keep you for four months. But anyway, I, I'm getting aggravated. And, and he goes, what town? I said, Saginaw, Michigan. Saginaw General Hospital. And he just looks at me. He goes, well, your papers are not complete. Oh, okay. So I'm standing there, and I look over at Alex, and Alex is going. So I went, so I pulled a $20 bill out of my pocket, and I put it in my passport, and I slid it back. He, miraculously, the paperwork was done correctly now. And, you know, we, we live through that stuff, and, and you know that this country, it's, it's awesome. And we're Americans, and that means something. But listen, the reason it's important to know that and to know why you're, all that means something is because it'll protect you one day. Just like understanding the kingdom. I'm a child of God. What does that mean? I'm a prince. I'm a king and priest. I'm a son in the kingdom of God. What does that mean? And most of us live our lives in ignorance of what it means to be a child of God. That word child of God has become much more of a religious buzzword than it has become a reality. And so when we talk about the kingdom and his realm of power and authority, it's because we are citizens of a kingdom that's not of this earth. That means something. I'm sojourning through this land. I, I'm on my way home. This is not my homeland. But so many people want to put up residence, and it's like, this is as good as it gets. No, it's not. There's so much more, and we need to know. And that's why he says, seek first, first. He doesn't say, don't seek for other things. He says, just make sure you're seeking. The first thing you seek is the kingdom. Then all these things, what you can take things out and insert whatever you need, will be added unto you. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Praise God. Bow your heads with me. Father, we thank you, God. We thank you for your goodness and your glory. We thank you, God, that you are helping us, God. Thank you for this revelation. God, instruct us in righteousness. Father, cause, God, the kingdom, God, to be alive in us, God, to rise up, that we, God, would be representatives, God, of the king and his kingdom. Father, that we would be recipients of the benefit of the kingdom, that we would recognize our citizenship and all that comes with it. God, both the benefit, the blessing, 
and the responsibility. And Father, we thank you, God, for your goodness. We thank you. I wonder as every head is bowed, every eye is closed, if there's anyone in this room or anyone watching online that doesn't know Jesus as your Savior. You say, I want to give my life to Jesus. If that's you, would you lift your hand? Lift your hand all across this place. Amen. And if you're online and and that's you, I want you to pray this prayer with me. Just say this. In fact, let's all of us say it. Say, Lord Jesus, I ask you to come into my life, to be my Lord and my Savior. I give you my life, and I receive your life in exchange. Help me to live for you in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, if you prayed that prayer today in this room, come let one of us know. Let one of the worship people know, ushers, one of the staff. Or if you're online, write down in one of the comment section, hey, I just gave my life to Jesus. And we'd love to get to know you and help you and, and encourage your walk with the Lord. Praise God. Why don't we stand to our feet? Remember, next week, we're going to talk a little bit more about why the kingdom of God is so important. We're going to release you today. God bless you. You guys have. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.